Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, thank you all very much, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, stand as you turn, <clears throat> be in prayer for uh, the family of Miss Margaret Elliott, uh, she has gone home to be with the Lord, I know many of you may not know her or recognize that name, she's uh, uh, one of the shut-ins and uh, she passed away last night sometime and I think, I think she has been shut in since the, for the length of time that I have been here and maybe since she's been able to be here. But if you would pray for the family and I'm sure the services will be somewhere around Wednesday. But a wonderful lady. She's a joyful lady. And, uh, but pray for them. But Matthew or 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read through verse 15 and uh, this evening together. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house or this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's speaking of our body that we have on this earth. Verse 2, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven, a new body, a new home. If so, being, uh, if, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the thing done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Let's just go ahead and finish out the chapter. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To the wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he that hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Verse 7, read verse 7 aloud with me, short verse, but verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this passage of scripture that reminds us to look forward and look ahead. I'm so thankful for what your son did for us at the cross. I think of that verse we just read in verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank you for what your son did for us at the cross. That we could be saved, that we could have be clothed in your righteousness, that you would take our sin upon you at Calvary and pay for it. And give us the hope of heaven and the opportunity to see our Lord. I pray tonight, Lord, as I preach your word, that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak through me and use the words that I say that I would accurately represent your word and that you'd feed us from the scripture tonight. Lord, I love you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture, for we walk by faith, not by, by sight. The Lord reminds us 
that without faith it is impossible to please God. Impossible. In other words, without a life lived by faith, you cannot please God. That's why a sinner can't please the Lord. Because God made us. It's only by faith that as we take that step of faith that we are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. This passage of Scripture gives us the call to walk by faith and not by sight. What is natural to be the opposite, to walk by sight and not by faith. As a matter of fact, I think naturally we would prefer that. I like to see where I'm going, all right? I like to see where I'm going. This passage of Scripture, the Lord tells us where we're going. And he encourages us to live a life of faith. I I enjoy this passage of Scripture. Matter of fact, verse 16 of chapter 4 says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The Lord reminds us, this outward man, it's perishing, isn't it? There's, there's an expiration date. There's a day in which we leave this world and behind, and it is a reality. The inward man is renewed day by day, but this outward man, it, it perisheth. Miss Jeanette Barfield went home to be with the Lord a week ago, and Miss Margaret Elliott has gone home to be with the Lord. And we know others that, uh, that their, their, faith, their strength is, is waning, and that's a hard thing to watch. But it's a reality of life. For all of us, our strength is waning. And the Lord reminds us in this passage of Scripture that our faith is to be looking ahead. It's to be looking ahead. He, he says in this verse, verse 1 of chapter 5, For we know that if our earthly house, this, ta- uh, this tabernacle, this body, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I am thankful, and Sunday school asked the question, when you think about heaven, what do you think about? And one of those was mentioned, we get a new body. But this one drops off. This one that's marred by sin and tainted by sin, boy, it drops by the wayside. And God has a new body for us, doesn't he? And we shall all be changed. He reminds us of that. For, for in this we do groan, in verse, in verse 2, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is in heaven. There ought to be a desire to be like Christ. Boy, there's coming a day where the Lord reminds us that when we see him in 1 John chapter 3, that we shall be as he is. It's coming a day. We're going to be as he is. And it ought to be the desire of our heart while we're here. Verse 3, if so being that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Boy, some people believe that when you die, it's all over. It's all over. Just death is the end. You go into the ground and that's it. But that's not what the Lord tells us. He said, that's not the way it ends. Death is not the end. It's, it's the change from the, the temporal to the eternal. He would say here in verse 4, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. That mortality, this world that's tainted by, by sin and death and has its expiration will be swallowed up with life. Boy, boy, you think about living. No, you're not going to be able to live in this world like you're going to be living in eternity. Everything in this world is touched by something that's coming to an end. But one day we're going to have that life. Verse 5, now he that hath wrought us the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Boy, the down payment on heaven. I think of Ephesians chapter 1 where the Lord said he's the earnest of our inheritance. He is the down payment on the eternal. When you came to know Christ as your personal Savior, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You know how we know we have an eternity in glory? Because God gave us the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God that moved in and takes up residence in our life. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said the earnest, the proof, the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life and he says this in verse 6, Therefore we are, also, we are always confident, knowing that while as we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. 
We're not supposed to be walking, living by the things we see in this world. We're supposed to have our eyes somewhere else. Our gaze set before us. And this passage of scripture reminds us where our gaze is supposed to be focused. And the first thing we see is our hope. Verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now there's a verse of comfort. There's a verse of hope. We'll often use that verse with this reality as folks leave this world behind. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I think of the song, Finally Home. Just, just think of, uh, of stepping on shore, of hiding at heaven, of, of taking a hand and finding it God's, of bringing, breathing new air and finding it celestial. I think I put it out of order, Brother Anthony, but it's in there, all right? Just think of what's, what's coming. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's coming a day, friend, and it is the hope of the Christian that I am going to see him someday. That we'll see him face to face, that the one we've lived for, the one we've, we've served, the one we've uh, gone through this life walking beside, one day I am going to see him face to face and faith will become sight. 1 John 3, 1 through 3, I mentioned the verse a moment ago. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I love that first verse. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. We're going to see him. We are going to see him face to face. Our hope. If we're not careful, we can go through this life as if that's some distant, far off thing, as if it's not real. It's a doctrinal statement on a piece of paper, but it, and not live like it's true. But the reality is, as sure as ne- if God tarries, as sure as prayerfully, you'll be here next Sunday and we'll see one another. There's coming a day when we're going to see our Savior. And the hope of every day is one day I'm going to see Jesus, and it might be today. One day will be my last day. There's coming a day that it will be my last day. Now, I hope it's by way of the rapture. I hope that the trumpet sounds, the graves open, the dead in Christ rise first, and then we which are alive and uh, that we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with him. I think it was Spurgeon who said uh, he he'd like to, and he's going to get his opportunity. He he wanted to be there. He'd rather pass, and then the Lord call him home through the rapture. He said, "I, I want to get that feeling." I personally would prefer that he raptured me. All right, and personally, but but there is coming a day. There's coming a day when you're going to see him face to face. Our hope. Our hope. Every hard day, there is a hope I'm going to see him. Every day filled with sorrow is a hope that I'm going to see him. Sorrow not is those which have no hope. I'm going to see him. Every painful day, there is this hope that I'm going to see him. Every day of service, there is this reality I'm going to see him. Think of Paul and Silas in the prison. They had been serving God and They had preached there in in Philippi and here they had been taken unjustly tried and beaten and bruised and left in a jail. Why could they sing? They had hope. They knew who they served and they got to fellowship and the suffering. But at the same time, there was a hope in their heart. They're going to see him. And maybe today, and there was a reality to that. Maybe today. You know, Christian, we're to be living with the hope. The hope of our heart that I could see him. And if we're not careful... It can be far from us. 
We're always thinking about today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. When in reality, we ought to be thinking about the day I am going to see him. Our hope. That hope informs every day of our life. The hope that I'm going to see him should inform every day and the way I live that day. I can see him today. It should bring joy to our heart. Bring service to our actions and love to our life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is a hope. Notice this, not only our hope, but our purpose. He said in verse 8, we are confident, I say, willing and rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be what? Accepted of him. That whether present or absent, that's here or there, we would be accepted of him. Revelations 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He said, so we labor with this hope in our heart that whether present or absent, we would be accepted of him. Those verses I read to you a moment ago, 1 John 3, 1 through 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You've been made purified by the Son, so live pure as a Christian. You have a standing that is right. You have a standing that is sanctified by way of Christ. You've been made the child of God. So live like you were saved and positioned in the Lord Jesus Christ. We live that whether present or or absent, whether here or there, we are accepted in his sight. We are pleasing. I I think of the day the Lord says one day we're going to give account for every idle word. Friend, I, I would ask you, is the way you're living your day acceptable and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord? Now, our, our Lord's love for us will never wane, and I'm thankful for that. His love for us is not dependent upon the way we live. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but hath everlasting life. Our lives, the love of God is not dependent upon our life. But whether we are pleasing in his sight is dependent on our life. I think of this, you know, I have five children, five of them, Samuel, Audrey, Titus, Jacqueline, Nathaniel, you know them all, all right? And because I love them, they can bring joy to my heart or heartbreak to my heart, all because I love them. Friend, you are loved of God. And because you are loved of God, friend, you can please him or displease him. You can bring joy to his heart or sadness to his heart. Matter of fact, the Lord reminds us in the book of Ephesians, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. Grieve him not. We labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. It gives me my purpose that can I live today and say, Lord, has my life been acceptable in your sight? Have my actions today been acceptable in your sight? Have my words been acceptable in my sight? Has my heart been acceptable in my sight? You know, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh where? On the heart. You may see my outward appearance and it may look acceptable, but God knows the heart of a man. 
It doesn't disqualify the outside. It just shows that God sees deeper than the outside. Is my heart right? Are my actions right? Are my words right? Are, are, is my life right? Are my relationships right? Am I living in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to God? Because it matters to him. That whether present or absent, whether here or there, we would find ourselves acceptable in his sight. I tell you, one of the chief ambitions of life is to find out what God has for us and to live it out, not to find out what we have for us and live it out. You know, young person, if you want to find what God has for you, then seek to please God with your life. The world will say, look to your heart. And God will say, look to him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Seek to please him. It is in pleasing God that you'll find the greatest joys of life. Living the life that God made you to live. Living how he would have you to live. It is where joy is found in the Christian life. That whether present, whether here or there, we would be accepted of him. See, we are loved of God regardless. But we are not always pleasing in his sight, are we? Be weary of the one who would tell you you're always pleasing. (laughs) Any parent knows the difference, right? We love our children. Sometimes they bring joy to our life. Sometimes they bring heartbreak to our life. The Lord even tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that he chasteneth whom he loves. Why does he chasten? No longer our actions are no longer acceptable or pleasing in his sight. There is the call. There is that, the hope of the Christian, the the purpose of our life. Here we see our accounting. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Boy, there's a reality of life. We ought to live, our, we see our hope in this passage of Scripture, we see our purpose in this passage of Scripture, and we see there's coming a day of accounting in this passage of Scripture. There's coming a day. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. One day we're going to be there. That everyone may receive the things done in his body, our actions, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. One day, friend, you and I, We'll be caught up together to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and and, and remain shall be caught up to be with him. The tribulation unfolds on this earth. And where are we as that tribulation unfolds? Where do we stand? Where are we at? The judgment seat of Christ. Seeing our Savior face to face. Looking him in his eye. Bowing and worshiping and being held accountable for our life held accountable. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest Catch that every man's work shall be made manifest open. 
For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He says in their verse, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, there's coming a day when we'll be rewarded for the way we've lived our life. There's coming a day in which the reward of our life will be stacked in our arms. How we have lived our life, acceptable or unacceptable before God, we shall receive the reward for it. Either the, 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 the jewels of life from a life served for him and the crowns that God promises or the wood, hay, and stubble that will be stacked in our arms and go be by, by before the fire. And every man's work shall be tried, yet so as by fire. You ever ask yourself, every one of us here today is storing up something in heaven. Have you ever asked yourself what you're storing? Do I have a bank or a barn? Do I have a woodpile or an investment? What is it that I'm laying in store? Am I building some kindling? Am I building something that will last? You know, friend, it's, there is the reality of the, of the great white throne judgment, isn't there? I'm so glad that I'm not facing it. In the book of Revelation, the Lord reminds us the dead will stand there before the Lord and he'll look to see if their name is written there in the book of life. And when he doesn't see it, he'll say those words, depart from me for I never, what? Knew thee. I'll be cast out forever from the Lord. And we're here in this world to prepare the lost world for that day that they don't have to face that day to ensure that, that they'll have the opportunity to see their Savior and not at the great white throne judgment, but there is the reality. But can I tell you, just because you have that day settled doesn't mean you have this one settled. You know, the Bible said to go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's the gospel. But then he continued in the Great Commission and said, Every, and whatsoever he has commanded, we should teach that also. In other words, prepare them that they wouldn't face the great white throne judgment and prepare them for the day they'll stand before me. Live a life that is acceptable in his sight. You know, we ought to be asking ourselves, what am I laying in store? Some will be saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, that song we sing, must I go in empty-handed, true and untrue. In other words, none of us goes in empty-handed. We're coming with something. But some of us will be left empty-handed. We may enter in with something stacked high in our arms to watch it burn away. There'll be nothing to remain. We can live our life in a way that is pleasing to him and see the rewards that are laid in store. We're living Walking by faith. Be careful of the statement. I, I think of how God has given us incredible word. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How do I prepare for that day? The incredible word of God. We live our life by the word. We base our life upon the word of God. We live according to his leading through the scripture. And we lay in store as we live for him those incredible rewards that come from a life lived that is acceptable in his sight. Be careful of the phrase. I know what it says, but. Because in that moment, we made our decision. Wood, hay, and stubble. 
or precious jewels of heaven to be left. And you and I, you know Christ tonight. It's Sunday night. I, I'll assume many of us do. Some of you may not. And it's a more terrorizing day if you don't know him tonight. Because there's coming a day when you'll leave this world behind. And you'll enter eternity separated from him. An eternity. A lake of fire. A bottomless pit. Where the worm dieth not. Burning forever. Separated from God. A place of darkness. You won't see anybody else there, my friend. You'll be tormented in the flame. Forever separated from God and everybody else to burn forever in all eternity. But God loved you so much that he died on the cross and rose again three days later that you might be saved. That wouldn't be what you'd face. But that rather we could walk in newness of life when we come to know him. To live with a hope, I am going to see my Savior. To live with that hope and that purpose that says I am living to be acceptable in the sight of the one who has done so much for me. Recognizing this reality, there is coming a day when I will be held accountable for the way I've lived my life, the way I've walked according to his word. And, and to be honest, I'm afraid of the fire, but I'm thankful for the fire a little bit, Brother Anthony. I, I, I look at that day and, I, and I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I hope, I hope that I don't have much kindling. But I am thankful that those things will burn away and be gone. Aren't you thankful that some things burn away and are gone? Look, I'm going to be held accountable for my life. And some things, I know what's coming and it's not precious jewels. Boy, there's some moments I can look back in my life, some decisions I've made in my life, and some things that I've done, I'm saying, that's wood, hay, and stubble, and I don't need anybody to tell me because I know it. And it's going to burn. As much as I regret that moment, I, when I carry in that wood hay and stubble with me, I'm thankful that it's going to be burnt and gone. I'm thankful that there's coming a day, a thousand years, friend, after that tribulation, when God wipes every tear from our eye. When those things will be burnt and my tears will be gone. But friend, I don't want just all those things to be burned away. I want something to be left in its place. I want something left in the place. See, in this passage of scripture of walking by faith, he reminds us, friend, uh, we have a hope. I'm going to see him. It is real. We have a purpose to please him. And, and we have this day of accounting. But with that day of come, accounting, we see our call in this world. Look at verse 11, what he launches right back into in verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, the fear of God, recognizing this is coming, we persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Skip down to verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's bringing the man that is at odds with God and into peace with God by sharing them the, the word of reconciliation. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, to the wit that God, which was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have been given a call. What is the call? The gospel call. 
There's coming a day in which we're going to see him. And part of our preparation for that day is to prepare others for the day that they'll see him. To, to tell a lost world about a savior who loved them and died for them and rose again three days later that they might be saved. He's given me the wonderful word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. And there's a coming a day when I'm going to see him and he's going to say, what did you do with my word? You reconciled man. This one, Seth Hahn who I gave, who, that I gave my life for, who I took your sin upon me for and gave you my righteousness and gave you the incredible word of reconciliation. What have you done with my word? I would ask you, Christian, what have you done with that word? Because more than I'm asking you tonight, there's coming a day when your Savior's gonna ask you that question. What have you done with my word, my word of reconciliation. Have you sidelined it? Have you said it's another man's gift, another man's ministry? Or have you owned it? And said, I gotta tell somebody. I have to live it, telling others about it. Because there is this reality that everybody's leaving this world and every soul is eternal and they're gonna spend the eternity somewhere. Our call to walk by faith. What is it? It's to walk with this hope in my heart. that I'm leaving this world behind. I'm going to see my Savior. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To walk with a purpose in my life that today is about pleasing Him. That whether present or absent, whether here or there, I'm acceptable in His sight. To live with this reality of a coming accounting day when the Lord will weigh out the balance of my life and say, have you lived for me or have you not? Have you done that which is acceptable in my sight or have you not? And I will be left there that day with my arms full of something and much of it will burn, some of it will burn away and some of it will remain and that what the one who is in control of what remains is me and what the Lord does through my life. There is an accounting coming. There is a day that we will see our Savior. Paul would say, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade man to stand in awe of him. I don't think we fully grasp who he is sometimes. He is our friend. I'm thankful for that. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friend. We are his children and he is our, whole, our heavenly father. And he is a holy God. He spoke this world into existence. He keeps it by a word. He is holy. And one day you and I are going to step into his presence and see him face to face. And as much as he is my friend and as much as he is my father, he is a holy God. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. You say, what makes every knee bow? What makes every knee bow is that no knee can stand lest he lets it. You think Satan will bow because he wants to bow? He will bow because he has no choice but to bow. Because no knee can stand in the presence of God lest God sets them up, friend. We will stand, we will kneel before a God, a holy God. And he said, knowing this day is coming, walking by faith, we persuade men. We walk by faith. We have this hope. We have this purpose. We have this day of accounting that is coming. We have this call in our life. 
that an eternity is coming and it could be tomorrow. It could be soon. We don't know when it is, but we know one day will be our last day on this earth. And the next moment to be absent from the body will be present with the Lord. And what a joy that will be. And it is amazing. Not only what a joy, but what an awe. To stand in his presence and know my time has come. I think this, and lastly, we see this. Our motive, our motive. Verse 14. For the love of what? Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Our motive. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What has he done for me? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What is it that motivates us? Is it fear? No, friend. It's love. What will I do with those things that I receive that day? That moment when I stand before him and some of that wood, hay and stubble is there and some of those precious jewels and they're thrown into the fire to see what remains and I'm left with something in my hand and those wood, those jewels, those precious jewels that were there, some things will burn away. Revelations 4, 10 through 11, the four and 20 elders fell down before him that sat upon the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. They cast their crowns before the throne. What did they do with those things that had laid in store? They took them to their Savior and say, Lord, thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for the sin that you took upon you. Thank you for enduring the cross and despising the shame. Thank you for your, the, what you have done in my life. Let me show my love and my thanks. Here it is. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Love. You know why the day of accounting is not just a day of fear, but a day to be looked forward to? Because it's that moment that I take in my hands the things that I will be able to lay at his feet and be able to say, I love you too. I love you too. See, friend, I've heard an awful lot of I love you from the Lord. An awful lot. I can tell you, I was born in Peoria, Illinois. Not the greatest state, but the greatest nation on earth. To some of the greatest parents, Ron and Cindy Hahn. That time he was a youth pastor at Bayview Baptist Church there in Peoria, Illinois. I was born in that home. My Lord said, I love you. People born across this world in places that aren't Christian homes. In countries far from what I had grown and experienced. And the word of God began to be taught for me. As my dad would say, carried to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, nine months before I even entered the world. And every moment since then. Hearing the gospel over and over and over again. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. To the moment I finally accepted him as my savior and realized how much he loved me and what he had done for me. 
be able to serve him. First person I led to Christ on Erie Court in Cincinnati, Ohio, to be able to tell someone else the word of reconciliation and see them come to know Christ as their Savior. That regardless of vocation, whether it was in ministry or in a steel company or a painting company, to be able to serve my Lord. I know that he loved me at every turn. Today that my wife came walking down those steps at Shawnee Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I came walking up and I met the woman I'd spend prayerfully the rest of my life with, God tarries. The five children that came into this world, privilege of serving here with you, and hear from my Lord over and over and over and over and over and over again, I love you. To know that I was a sinner, and yet God loved me. And there's coming a day. That if I keep my hope on that day, if I remember my purpose to live in a way that is pleasing to him, if I remember there's coming a day of accounting, when God's going to settle accounts, he's going to lay in my arms the things that I've earned for the way that I've lived, to realize that I've been given a call. There's lost people in this world that need Jesus. And that fire is going to be lit and it's going to burn the wood, hay, and stubble. As much as I don't want the wood, hay, and stubble, I'm glad it burns. I'm going to be left with something in my hands. And there is my Lord. And you'll go before him. Thank you for loving me. I love you too. And it shapes the purpose of our life. Can I ask you something, Christian? Are you living to be able to say, I love you too? Are you living? Or will you stand there empty-handed? Will you stand there? Some will, to be frank. The Bible tells us that. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There will be some that have nothing but wood, hay, and stubble in their arms. They'll put it there and it'll burn away. And I'm sure they're glad it's gone. But in its place, nothing. Nothing. And no way will they be able to worship Will they be able to lay at his feet anything? Say, I love you, Lord. There's coming day, friend, when that, that is a reality. If we're not careful, we think only of the great white throne judgment and we're thankful that we escape it. And I am, praise God. I'm glad there's that song, uh, I'm not going to hell and I'm thankful I'm not. I'm thankful God saved me and gave me a home in heaven and a relationship with him. But friend, that day's coming. And it should shape this day. It should shape our life. It should drive us to his word and into his service. It should be asking me, make me ask every moment as I'm filled with this hope that I'm going to see the one who loved me so much that he died for me one day. That I would live today in a way that is pleasing in his sight so that I might stand before him and receive those rewards in my hand that they might be tried and the ones would burn away and be forgotten for all of eternity. The left, that rest would be left in my arms that I might go before him and say, Lord, here they are. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve. I want you to know in some small way, as much as I can, Lord, I love you too. I love you too. What drives us is love. Not fear, but love. If fear is all you got, 
It's worth something, but it's not worth enough. It is coming. That day of accounting is coming. And some here, some of us probably need to get a little bit of fear in our heart, realizing it's coming. More than anything, we need to get a whole lot of love in our heart for the one who first loved us. That would make me ask this question. Is it pleasing in his sight? And that soul beyond these doors, it is my job to make sure they get the gospel. I can't make them decide what they're going to do with it. It's my job to make sure they get it. The one you work with, it's your job. Those folks that you know, it's your ministry. Make sure they know. Eternity is certain. My Savior, I will see. I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not looking forward to the wood, hay, and stubble. I've got my share. Most of us do. All of us do. I'm just praying that it's not all we have. I'm thankful it will burn and be gone. I'm thankful for God's mercy in the fire. That even in fire, God has mercy. But with what we have left, it won't be able to put it on the mantle of my heavenly mansion. Look at my reward. Let me pin my ribbons, my certificates around my room. That's not what it will be for. If that's what you're hoping for, if you think those rewards are about you, you're wrong. They're about him. They're about that moment. I got to lay those things at his feet, the one who's loved me so much, and tell him, I love you too. Thank you for saving my soul. To walk by faith. That's what he's talking about. When I step out of here today, how do I walk by faith? Hope. Ms. Margaret Elliott, I sat with her. She had laryngitis a week or so ago. A joyful lady. Hope in her heart. You got a hope in your heart? Are you going to live tomorrow with a hope in your heart? That it doesn't matter how hard the day gets. There's one coming a day when you're going to see the Lord. No matter how good it gets here, it's still the worst. That, it's still a whole lot worse than it's going to be in glory. Hope. That you would live tomorrow in a way that is acceptable in the sight. Asking yourself this question, Lord, this is the vocation. This is the place. But what is the purpose of my day today? How can I live in a way that is acceptable in your sight by, by what I say, by what I do, by what I hear, but what I watch, by what I live? May it be acceptable in your sight. Because there's coming a day, dear Lord, when I want to lay in store something to lay down. January 10th, 2024, 15 years of marriage for me. And I will start laying in store. There's coming a day. I teased my wife. When we first got married, I'm a scheduled person we first got married, I had on my calendar her birthday, April 2nd. All right, it's her birthday, April 2nd. And I wrote it on my calendar. All right. Now, up until that day, my wife had never seen my calendar. We were engaged, but we weren't married. She didn't get to see my calendar. All right. Okay. But when she got, we got married, she opened up my calendar and she saw April 2nd. She goes, you have to write on the calendar my birthday? You can't remember? I said, I know it, baby. It's, it's, it's so important to me. I put it on the calendar, right? Now today I have it on my calendar, on Google calendars, and I try to have a reminder set that I would remit two weeks ahead of time so that I'm ready for that moment that day, right? I'm living knowing that day's coming. I'm planning for that day to come. And I want to be ready when it arrives so that I can show her something. Not because I'm afraid that if I don't do something for her, 
she'll be mad at me and throw something at me, all right? No. Because it's my moment to show her I love her. The one who said yes to me, the one who's been with me since that moment, the one who's given me those children, it's my moment to say I love you. There's coming a moment for you, friend, when you will see your Jesus. And in that moment, I will get, you will get to say, I love you. With what? What you've laid in store by the way you've lived today. What you've laid in store by way, the way you've lived today. It ought to put a hope in our heart, a purpose in our step. A thought on our mind that one day I'm going to be held accountable. A call in my ear. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ because everybody's facing eternity. And a motive that says, love him. That you would henceforth not live unto yourself, but unto him. We've escaped the great white throne judgment. But the judgment seat is coming. And it's our opportunity to look to our Lord say, I love you. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the, thank you for your son who died for us and rose again three days later that we might be saved. I thank you for the hope of our hearts to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Well, the day you saved me, you didn't call me home right away. You gave me this opportunity to live in a way that is pleasing in your sight, to share the gospel and to live for you. That when that day comes, when I stand before you and I'm held accountable, There might be something in my arms that I can say to you, I love you with. I pray as you have spoken to our hearts that we would respond. Lord, maybe there's something to be laid off. I think of the scripture where it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with patience. Or let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Maybe there's some sin or some weight to lay off. Or maybe it's a purpose in our step or the call of God. Maybe we have ignored the call or left it to somebody else. Maybe we have lost sight of loving you. And our lives have been so filled with duty rather than love for God. But I pray that as you have spoken to our heart tonight, that we would respond. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this evening, do you know the Lord? Are you saved? If you could say, preacher, I know that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. That's settled for me. There was a moment in your life when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And you know that heaven is your home. If that's your testimony, would you just raise your hand between you and I and the Lord? You'd say, preacher, that's me. <clears throat> Let me ask you this then. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here tonight say, preacher, I don't know that. I'm not sure of heaven, but I want to know that tonight. I want to know the Lord is my Savior. I want that settled for me. Once for all, I want it settled. Would you pray for me, preacher? Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, preacher, pray for me. Let me ask you this, Christian. Then how many of you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Maybe it's just a simple reminder of what you already know. Most of you here have been in church around church for a long time. But you are reminded of the fact that there should be a hope in our heart. There should be a purpose in our step. There is a day of accounting coming. There should be a call in our life to share the gospel. So that I might be motivated by the love of God that one day when I stand before him, I would be able to look at him and say, Lord, I love you. Not merely with my words, but with what is in my hand to lay at his feet. We'd say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart tonight. Would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and I and the Lord? Would you stand with me? And boy, as the, as the pianist plays, as God has spoken to your heart, why don't you take a moment with the Lord? And I would begin with thanking him for loving you. That he would love you so much that he would die for you and rise again three days later that you might be saved.
I don't know where it is that God has spoken to your heart. That's between you and God. I know where he has spoken to my heart as I studied it out. And Friend, do you live with hope in your heart? Or are you burdened by the day? Or are you, is there a hope in your heart that says, I'm going to see him one day? You have a purpose in your step. Are you living to please him? Or are you just trying to get the most out of the day you can get? Or are you living to please him? Have you kept your eyes on this fact, Christian? There is coming a day you're going to see him. It's coming. There should be a call that says, I'm going to tell somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry that you first received the day that you were saved was to bring others to him. And are you motivated by a love of God? Not by fear, but by love. To be able to stand before him one day and lay in his feet and say, Lord, I love you. But as the pianist has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord tonight. Come every soul.